0: Hi, I'm Morgan Keeler, and I'm one of the audio editors here. Hi, I'm Lisa Nan. I'm a projects reporter here at The Texan. So, what'd you do this week? I reported on a lot of things this week, much more than I'm used to reporting. Um, So, in the beginning of the week, the Cumberlands released a letter to the administration, um, namely President Fenves and Dean Lilly, with their suggestions for reforms regarding the Texas Cowboys and just broader based hazing reforms for the whole university. For those of you who don't know, um, Nikki Cumberland passed away last fall after a fatal car crash on his way back from a Texas Cowboys retreat. The Cumberlands then asked for an investigation into alleged hazing they believe happened at the retreat prior to Nikki leaving. And some of the alleged hazings include alcohol abuse, physical abuse, and animal abuse. And there's still an ongoing investigation with the university student conduct board and also the university police into whether or not hazing played a part into Nikki's death. And since then, the Cumberlands have tried to, from what they've told me, make the best of a terrible situation they really want to ensure that no one has to lose a son in the same way they have and they want to make sure that they are um, using Nikki's legacy to stop hazing on campus and then After that letter, I was contacted by the Texas Cowboys student organization because we had been in contact with their alumni association, but this was the first time the student organization itself has reached out to me. And they said that they would like to share a statement with me. And their statement basically says that after their own third party investigation, which they say happened very shortly after the crash, they ruled out that any hazing or alcohol abuse led to the car crash that unfortunately took Nikki's life. So the newest statement from the Texas Cowboy kind of gives us a more of a insight into their perspectives on what happened that night. They state that prior to the car that was that Nikki was a passenger in, they checked the driver to make sure he was okay to drive, that he hadn't been drinking, that he was alert. They also make a pretty big point to state that at no point were any of the members of the Texas Cowboys um, intentionally held awake for the remainder of the night. They state that members, including old men and new men, were allowed to go to sleep if they wanted to. However, they say many members did not go to sleep, instead stayed up late bonding with each other. So the reason the allegations of sleep deprivation are so central to this story is because The car was leaving around 4 a.m. from the retreat and then was in a crash at 5.43 a.m. and it was caused by the driver falling asleep at the wheel. Nikki and three other passengers were not wearing seatbelts at the time of the crash. The car rolled over and unfortunately, Nikki was injected from the car, causing a lot of his fatal injuries that then took his life. So the Cumberland family is of the belief that what caused Nikki's death was the driver falling asleep. And I'm going to read a direct quote from their statement here. The driver fell asleep because he was asleep deprived. He was exhausted and did not have enough sleep to embark on a long drive. The cowboy campfire went beyond 3 a.m. and he was permitted to drive around 4 a.m. without sufficient sleep. So that's kind of a really big um, point of contention between the cowboy statement and the Cumberland statement is if the sleep prevention was intentional which the cowboys are saying was not and that it was just simply boys making the choice to stay up late together and talk and how that played into the crash because sleep, depri- sleep deprivation is a form of hazing so that is kind of where all of the conflict is between the parties. How did you start reporting this story? Did, did you... <laughs> <laughs> um, me working on the story has been months long. I knew about the crash the day it happened. I was actually the one who informed news about it. And then they started working on a brief talking about the crash. But pretty shortly after the crash, I was getting sources telling me that they believed and had heard that hazing happened at the retreat and they believed felt it may have played a part in what caused Nikki's death. So I started investigating that in September. And then in November, I was still looking around and then I got in contact with the family and they told me that they would be going to the university and university police to ask for an investigation into the alleged hazing. And that was my first story. And then I've just kind of been following the story since and it's a really it's so much more complex than I think a lot of people who first read the headline might think. The story is really interesting because it's a really interesting look at Tahitian culture in UT. Texas Cowboys is one of the oldest and perhaps one of the most prestigious organizations someone can join at UT. They've been around for almost a hundred years and they're a pretty central part to what people think of when they think about UT. Um, they're the people who fire the cannon at the games. They're really a big part of this university Um, and it's really interesting to look at how this specific group and their history with hazing is playing out because they're not a traditional fraternity right like they have fraternity members within the organization and a lot of people associate hazing with just greek life but i think this is a really great example of that hazing exists outside of just that system. It exists in a lot of prominent big organizations where it is from what I've been told by experts, um, hazing experts, a lot of time hazing is a big part of like really prestigious organizations to join where you kind of have to prove yourself, right? To me, it's just been a really interesting lens of viewing hazing and hazing culture and the history of it through the lens of such an important organization here on campus. Yeah, what do you think that What do you think the broader narrative is here? Just that I'm just thinking, you know, 10 years from now, what do you think we will have learned from this incident? I think right now is a really interesting time for this story to be happening as happening as well. Hazing reform is kind of at its peak. It's never really had this much attention. For one of my stories, unfortunately, I wasn't able to include this just due to length, but I was talking to Hank Newer over at Franklin College. He's been studying hazing since the 70s, and we had a conversation where he told me that this is kind of the height of hazing reform, right? It's never had this much attention, and that's because there have been a number of things leading up to this, but namely in the past two or three years, There has been just this coalition of parents who have lost their children to hazing and now they are kind of going around the nation and telling their story and advocating for change on hazing reform because hazing is something that has been around this country for so long and it's just something that I think a lot of people thought were gone. I I think a lot of people thought hazing was gone, right? Like that it wasn't nearly as extreme as it used to be. But then there have been recent cases like the death of Tim Piazza over at Pennsylvania State University and also another death that happened at LSU with Max Groover. And those parents have really taken the tragedy that has befallen their families and tried to make change out of it. And they're getting a lot more attention and legislative support. There's just this, I think from what I can tell, and I'm by no means the, the expert, but there is this group of parents who are really leading this coalition to stop hazing. And they're utilizing the stories that are so painful to tell to illustrate how damaging hazing can be on an individual and just even broader level, right? Like it's not just about individual loss, what it does to just individual families. It also affects just such a broad spectrum of people. And um, I think this is from what Hank told me and from what I can tell from my own research, just the time in history where people are paying the most attention to what's happening on these campuses. So you told me that the Cumberland family has come to the university. Um, Obviously, you've said the university is conducting their own investigation. Mm -hmm. But um, has the university said anything about what happened? Um, Can we, you know, in 1995, Mm -hmm. Cowboys was suspended for five years. Could we expect that again? If the university finds proof that hazing happened that night, they will be suspended. That's university policy. So I can't tell you what the results of the investigation are going to be. I think this is a different time than um, when Gabe Higgins died. It's has a lot more attention. There's a lot more traction. So I'm not sure what the history of Cowboys looks like, and I'm not sure what these investigations are going to end up saying because it's so dependent on – The evidence that they get. I know they finished all their um, initial interviews with Cowboys before the winter break. So we haven't heard anything from the university yet, but that's pretty typical of ongoing investigations. They're not going to tell us anything until they reach their conclusion. Awesome. Um, Well, you'll be following the story. Yes, I will be following the story um, throughout the rest of the semester, even longer if I have to. I feel like it's a really important narrative and look into um, a world of UT that we don't talk about enough, specifically hazing and and what happens in these organizations and the role of who's responsible and, and how do you stop it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Lisa, for joining me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much.